the Railway Children have returned to find out if they've got a good boss in John McEnroe. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Zara Phelan. And this is your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to another week of cinematic goodness off screen. And, well, I mean, I got to see one of the new releases on a big screen this week. The other two would have been watched on Link, but one of them wouldn't work on me, Miss Feeling, Welcome back. You did get to see that movie, though. And so our first movie this week, you're going to talk about. You, you get to talk. You had the pleasure of seeing <laughs> McEnroe this week, which I have tried and struggled in vain. To, three days, three days I spent trying to get this bloody link to what, to work. And it, it wouldn't work. I, I, I've Google Authenticator, I've uh, six password changes, tons, just, just wouldn't work. You got to watch it. John McEnroe, new documentary. He's always a good sport when it comes to any kind of biographical uh, chronicle. Barney Douglas, who's done a whole heap of these sports bio chronicles for us, is back. This time he's taking on the bad boy of tennis. How does he fare? He does quite well, actually, to be honest. I mean, considering um, there's a, John McEnroe has always been known as having a bit of a, an issue Mouth. with the British media. <laughs> a bit of an issue, <laughs> shall we say, with the British media. And apparently, because I interviewed Barney Douglas for this, and um, he did turn around and, and say that, you know, McEnroe at first was a little bit reluctant to open up to him. But he really does open up. It's he he actually pokes fun at himself and about how his attitude used to really stink, to be honest. Well, that makes um, a whole heap of makes a whole heap of sense. So this hundred and four minute uh, documentary then chronicles from McEnroe's perspective the entire storied history of his career. And as you say, you, you've got McEnroe in there. You've also got a top tier bevy of talent joining him that includes the likes, of course, of Beyond Borg, of Chrissy Hyde, of Billy Jean King. But we only really we all know why we're here when it's McEnroe, don't we? We're here for those outbursts. So let's let's have a little listen and hear about it from the man himself. I felt like I was being myself. I didn't want to be booed. I wanted everyone to clap for me. All right, just keep yourself under control. Just go play. And then, boom, everything would go out the window. Don't do that. Do not do that. Macaro's take there. And do, do you get a number of these? Do you get some of the great outbursts in there? You must do. Um, not really. He seems to have chilled out. He's mellowed out a lot in old age. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you obviously got you've got a lot of archive clips from from his past of him living his tennis player rock star lifestyle, shall we say? You know, mm -hmm. not that we see him snorting lines of cocaine, yeah, yeah. but you know yeah, that's yeah. what we get told. There is um, his first wife, Tatum O'Neill, is eerily absent from making yes, any contribution. This, this has her. come up. A few people have pointed this out about uh, about Tatum O'Neill's absence. I did talk to uh, Barney about it, and apparently she was ill at the time when uh, they were filming, right. and her kids, the kids were very adamant about her not taking part. 
So big, big questions then with, with something of this sort is, is first of all, how entertaining uh, and interesting and engaging as a film in its own right, like divorced from the subject. I don't personally like John Merkin. I'm not particularly a ten- interested in tennis, but I love a good biographical documentary. I, if I don't know anything about John Merkin, I put this on, I've got 104 minutes ahead of me. When I come out at the end of this, am I going to have enjoyed it? Am I going to find this interesting? Is it fascinating? Is it, is it repetitive? Is this stuff I will have seen if I've just watched, you know, every episode of This Morning for the last, you know, so many decades? How am I going to fare with this? Um, it is actually really quite compelling. I mean, obviously, like you, I'm not a John McEnroe fan. I hate tennis as well. But, you know, there is enough in there to, to differentiate between the tennis part and his personal life. And um, merging it all together, it does make it a lot more compelling to watch. And now the big, definitive question. And again, this this is this is what I like to call the Asif Kapadia card that I have to play with all of these, which is when you stack it against the greats of this subgenre, which of course is things like Senna, things like basically anything with Asif Kapadia's name on it. How does it stack <laughs> up against an Asif Kapadia documentary? That's the question. Well, nothing's ever going to beat one of his documentaries, but it it, it, it it fares really well. It fares really well. I've got to give him that. Okay, let's talk about something else then that I think fared very well this week. And, and I'm going to, like, spoiler this one up front. We have three new releases this week. We normally cover two per block, so the next block of this show is going to be one film. I wanted this next film to be that film, but because there's no clip, we couldn't, for editorial reasons, justify it. The movie is, of course, The Good Boss, or El Buen Patron, I believe it's originally called. New movie. Oh, I didn't see the Spanish translation for it. (laughs) This stars Javier Bardem, and I, I can best describe this as what would happen if you tried to to make an episode of Billions starring Javier Bardem as the Paul Giamatti character and for some reason set it in a Spanish weighing scale factory. I know this sounds mental, bear with me. So you've got El Buen Patron, play, you know, the great boss who's played by Javier Bardem and he really is the world's greatest boss. He is the most caring, <laughs> friendly, charismatic, cool boss you could ever want he cares about you or at least that's what he wants you to think because in actuality he really only cares about well himself his wife his kingdom his bottom line his empire like i say think billions with this one and he's he's next award yeah, and his next order, he's got a committee coming to his weighing scale factory of great prestige to award him the award for making the best weighing scales. And in order to win over this committee, he needs everything to be precise. Everything in his life is is calibrated and measured. So he can't handle problems. He can't handle a, a disgruntled employee setting up shop across the street and protesting against his company. He can't handle uh, a, new, a new intern in her early 20s, we shall say, who has entered the company and seduced her way into his inner circle, only for him to then discover that she's also the daughter of one of his oldest closest business friends and that she has designs on exploiting him she can't handle he can't handle sorry um another employee's uh, wayward young son who's in criminal in dire criminal circumstances who he takes under his wing and gets a job at his wife so this is all a complicated web of these interpersonal kind of dramas that are all building and building and intertwining more and more until they threaten to finally unravel before him. And it's all building to this one grand event and it's how well he can basically ring and ring all of this together and rein it in. It's bonkers, isn't it? 
It is. And don't forget, all this takes place over, what, a week, a week and a half, two weeks? Yes, we, we get it literally day by day, don't we? It's broken yeah. down day by day. And you wonder, I mean, it's no surprise he has the the the, the, you know, the complete silver hairdo that he does <laughs> in this because it would send your hair that colour just going through a week in this guy's life. It's absolutely mental. I mean, there is like kind of a, a quiet humour to it as well. It's, it's supposed to be, I mean, on the... A bit like him on on the surface, it, it seems quite a serious kind of drama, but everything that unfolds along the way, it's just like, oh man, this is just, this is hilarious. This can't be happening. <laughs> and Javier Bardem is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? He's fantastic in it. Now, this is not something that's going to reinvent the wheel, but it is a really fun, really nasty, dark-hearted, hilarious character-based drama. Like I say, just... You know, long version of an episode of Billions, which easy, easy win for me every time. I absolutely adore this. Uh, written and directed by uh, Fernando Diaranoa. Um, it was I, I know for familiar, I think, in the 90s, but outside of that non-name I've heard really a lot lately. Um, not really a known quantity in the cast otherwise either. It's pretty much Bardem's show. And he's just having an absolute ball. Like I say, this is nothing you haven't seen Bardem do before, but it's something you know he's good at. When he's having that kind of a menacing time, that menacing fun time, which, and if we're going to go with his Hollywood examples, let's go with something like his Bond villain or even his Pirates of the Caribbean villain. You know when he's having fun, that's infectious. That comes across. And that definitely comes across here in this movie that is so clearly destined for an English language remake that I'm reasonably sure Christian Slater is sat by the phone right now just mentally willing his agent to give him the call because I can see that movie right now in my head. Kevin Spacey's not in the game anymore. Give it to Christian Slater. This is going to happen. <laughs> totally agree with that. That's going to come. Give it a couple of years and then we'll see it. They will. But for now, the good boss, uh, El Buen Patron, is in Curzon Cinemas from today, which means it's also presumably available on Curzon Home Cinema as well, which is their on-demand on streaming platform at home. Uh, can't recommend high enough. This is such fun. This is really nasty. If you, I didn't know what it was. Stuck it on within five solid minutes. I was like, oof, oof, this has got... This has got some grapes. I like this. Five minutes that yeah. took. That took literally five minutes of this random ass subtitled Spanish dramedy starring Javier Bardem. Five minutes to go from zero to, oof, you've got some stones. Oh, it took me at least 10, but there you go. Five, 10, potato, potato. Let's call the whole yeah. thing Patron. And we're back for another ride to the multiplex off screen. And this time we're taking the railway or we're retaking the railway, I should say, because the railway children have returned. Right. Full disclosure. I, I forget what role he actually serves in this. My good friend, Rob Yeomans, uh, who I believe you've met, has worked on this movie and has, has, has pimped it endlessly to me ever since. So I, I, you know, with great enthusiasm, raced to an early screening of this with our mutual friend, Simon Hooper. And uh, he very much enjoyed this. So he had a lovely <laughs> night. Um, we, 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 we saw this. Uh, it stars Jenny Agatha returning to, I mean, this, and bear in mind the Railway Children, one of the things that made Jenny Agatha a household name in Britain. And that's 
going to become a very important point that I'm going to bring up in a moment. Uh, also stars, again, you know, household names in Britain, Sheridan Smith. So by those two, by virtue of those two names alone, we're starting to get a picture of just who this might be aimed at. So let's pretend you've never seen the original Railway Children, which I more or less haven't. I, I saw it when I was a child. As I, did you see it when you were a kid as well and you've forgotten it since? Yeah, I did, and I hated it. And that's why I, I got so many invites for this the screenings of this film. I'm like, I am not. I refuse to see it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's, it's going to be like when they eventually adapt Wurzel Gummidge for the screen. It's going to be like, I really don't remember the original, but okay, fair enough. I have to review it. I would see that one. <laughs> but in fact, they did. Sorry, they already did that one with uh, Mackenzie Crook on telly a few years ago. Yeah. So my bad. I'm, I'm confusing my British remakes. Right. So um, anyway, so... Uh, let's pretend you haven't seen it. So the idea here is you've got uh, you know, the story of the kids being shipped off to the British countryside during the war to get them out of harm's way, you know, during the, the Blitz, etc. Here we get a new crop of, of kids. This is uh, decades on from the, the last time we did this. It's now World War II. Kids are shipped to, uh, you know, Yorkshire, where they're taken in by Jenny Agatha, who's now the grandma of, the, of a family, having been the kid in, you know, kind of been one of the older kids in the previous iteration, in the previous movie. Her daughter is now Sheridan Smith, who is the mum of this. Uh, Sheridan Smith's husband is off at war. The kid's dad is off at war. They're all together in the countryside. And the story here is you have a young African-American, uh, American, African-American U.S. soldier who they discover is actually in hiding. And he's quite young. He's lied about his age to get into the armed forces. And then, of course, having discovered the grim horrors of war, is now a runaway himself and takes in with the railway kids as they're you know, hiding in the hiding away in the British countryside for their safety, and they have to hide him from U.S. soldiers who really just want to ship him back to war and get him killed along with everyone else. Let's have a listen. Do you remember all right again? I guess yesterday. Yeah, I Now the clip, as you can hear, is, is quite twee. It's quite, oh shucks. It sounds like a Hovis ad. You know, as you would imagine, the Railway Children return would sound like. And, right, as we said, Jenny Agatha, Sheridan Smith. Now, just based on that, Zara, who's this mm-hmm. film aimed at? Uh, I I would say 50, 60 year olds. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay, that's a good shorthand right there. Um, the only people, based on the trailer, the marketing, the concept, the pitch, the branding, the aesthetic, the tone, the visual stylings, the production, every single thing about this, based on every single constituent component of the Railway Children Return, I can safely say that the only people going to see a Railway Children sequel in 2022 happen to be the only people likely to enjoy a Railway Children sequel in 2022, which are, in fact, fans of the Railway Children in 2022. So... Congratulations, every grandparent's Christmas present for 2022 has already been preordained. There you have it. That's the movie. Um, it's fine. <laughs> it is fine. I can't say more than fine. One of those low, is it like one of those low budget British films that 
come out all the time and some of them one thing about fisherman's friends actually that's usually quite yeah fun. I, that was... that's it this is the problem in a nutshell this is where you get the the british cult the british production barometer that i can never quite determine on this one because i can't quite tell if this is a cheap movie in contrast to international productions or an expensive movie in contrast to British productions. Do you, do you know what I mean okay. when I say that? Yeah. Because so yeah. much of it, because it's a period piece, and so much of it is dependent on that look, soft focus, a nice mm. vibrantly coloured steam train, a very clean and pristine railway station, a nice verdant countryside. It's hard to make that look bad. You know what I mean? Like, once you've got the elements there, like it's too is, yeah, is that is that an expensive thing to produce, or is it just moderately expensive to sweep and clean and polish? Probably the second part. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's very much one yeah. of those songs. You see, I think right. Here's the thing. Right, okay, I'm going to go. Kenneth, I- Kenneth Ikins. Right, until he is introduced in the movie, which I think the movie is an hour 35. He's introduced, I think, about 40 minutes in. Until he's introduced in the movie, in my notes, I genuinely have. Actually, the child actors are all pretty good in this. There isn't that token sucky one that there always is. (laughs) Then Kenneth Ikins turns up as Abe, the, you know, American soldier in hiding. And that note, in my notes, is just scored right the hell through with never mind, spoke too soon. Because he single-handedly torpedoes this. And I say that because he is that actor. He is that child actor. See also The Secret Garden 2020 for a very good very good example of this. That child actor who has rolled into this straight out of drama school and delivers every line with the top half of his palm smacked against his forehead as he said the words, says the words, I'm doing drama. <laughs> no. And oh my I god. He's so terrible in this. He is so screechingly, clawingly, armrest tuggingly awful in this. As I was trying to perfect the gesture of throwing my palm against my forehead and, and you know, quietly saying the words, I'm doing drama to myself in the screening. I was genuinely, for the purposes of relief, trying to imagine what it would feel like to pull the skin from my forehead apart and peel the flesh from my bones, purely for some kind of relief from listening to him deliver every single agonizing line of dialogue he's given. He is one of the worst child... He's the worst child performer I have seen in our movie since Artemis Fowl. Genuinely, he single-handedly runs this movie into the... takes it off the tracks, face down into the dirt. The Railway Children return to muted applause at best, I would say, driven off the rails by Kenneth Eikins. Um, One for the grand... I tell you what, your energy from the beginning of describing this film went from... 10 to 0 real quick yeah you know what kick me off the back of the train and when anyone asks why just go no ticket (laughs) 
And now it's time for a segment we like to call Off-Screen Pays the Bills. And it's a bit of a pain in the arse, to be honest, as you'd imagine. It feels like the world's really noisy and overwhelming generally these days, and it can be a bit difficult to find your chill in the midst of all of it. Enter our sponsors from the Little Bit of Chill podcast. Their most recent episode, in fact, is literally centred around the theme of getting chill with the news, which hosts Callie and Will can offer some practical tips on. The pair giggle their way through reframing life's ups and downs, gaining perspective and sharing some practical chill life skills on shifting your everyday mindset towards a happier and more positive outlook on life. So make sure you subscribe, because it may help you find your chill. The Little Bit of Chill podcast is available across all major platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the rest. And we're back off screen, and this time we're taking you to the couch for some Freeview fun. So, Cinematic Goodness headed your way on Freeview for this week. Kicks off tonight, and I probably should have read this through, really, before I said the word goodness offhand, admittedly. But uh, do you remember the 2020 (laughs) reboot of The Grudge, Zara? Do you remember this one? I do not, thankfully, remember this. (laughs) Right. Thankfully for Sony, this kind of got buried by the pandemic, if we're being honest. There's another film, also by Sony, funnily enough, that we're going to talk about in a minute, that this happened to, although that movie is unquestionably better on just about every level. Um, This one, though, is the 2020 reboot of The Grudge. It's on Film 4 tonight at 10.50, at 10 to 11. Um, This is one of those that just felt it wasn't bad, it was just perfunctory, and you knew they needed to do it because the grudge as a property is too valuable to simply leave sat on a shelf. You know, there's a good movie to be made out of the grudge, but first you need to make sure that audiences understand what the grudge is. So you've got to do the explainer one. It's like Shane Black doing The Predator. You know he's doing that so that you can get to the next Predator that you actually want to do. Or Independence Day 2 or something like that. You know, you have to do the place setter. Tron, Tron, great example. Tron Legacy. You have to do that movie because it's been 40 years since the last one. Audiences need to understand what the hell Tron is so that you can then go and make the actual Tron sequel that you want to make. Right. Spoiler alert. This Predator, Tron, Independence, every example I've just given you all failed because audiences only want to show up for the next actual chapter, not the rehashing. If you'd like to see the rehashing, though, you can tonight on Film 4 at uh, 10.50. This one stars Andrea Riseborough and Demian Bashir. And this time, it's The Grudge. It's the J-horror remake slasher that's killing people. Here's some cops trying to work out why. Why did it take so long to find her? Well, this here's a service room. They only just started using it for the season. Anyone come looking for her? That's just it. Uh, The feds, they're already looking for her. Turns out she's one of those assisted suicide broads. Find anything on her? Usual stuff. I got an address, though. Directions in the glove box. 44 Rayburn Drive. Same place as the Landers case. Looks like we got another one. So you didn't see this one, I guess? No. No. Okay. Well, I mean, to be fair, very few people based on the box office did. (laughs) So you're not alone in that one. Um, another one that I can't really say set the box office alight, although it was, you know, quite awards buzzy 
I suspect more for who's in it rather than the movie, but I quite enjoy the movie. And it's on BBC Two, Saturday night, 11.30, which is just the hot date ticket slot you expect for a riveting Adam McKay written directed biopic of former Vice President Dick Cheney. So it's Vice, starring Christian Bale in a fat suit with a wig and sunglasses, because why wouldn't he? I mean... Why this is a Saturday night 11.30 pick is anyone's guess, but it's Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. It's fun, isn't it? It is fun. I really like this. And, you know, you don't even recognise Bale either. That fat suit is one of the better ones out on the market. (laughs) It it is. And, you know, we say this like a week after we reviewed the, the other Christian Bale movie. In fact, has he done many since? He's done like two, maybe three movies since... Yeah, maybe. I don't know how many. Thor and there's going to be something else that we're forgetting. But beside the point, he's great in Vice. Also great in there. I think you've got uh, Steve Carell as is he Donald Rumsfeld, Amy Adams is Lynn Cheney, um, which uh, uh, Liz Liz Cheney. Sorry. Who plays Bush? I can't remember. I forget who's Bush in this version. Now that you bring it, is he Sam Rockwell? Is Sam Rockwell That's Bush in this it. version? Sam Rockwell, yes. Because Sam I don't Rockwell. know why I'm, I'm going Josh Brolin, and he's the Oliver Stone version for W, where yeah, whole different thing. And then in that version, I think Richard Dreyfus is Cheney. But for some reason, everyone who plays plays Dick Cheney has a great time. Uh, this did get loads of awards, uh, recognition but not love. I would say, but I still think is is a good time. Uh, Moving on to Sunday then, something a bit more befitting the hour for its tone, I think. And, well, Elvis shows no signs of slowing down his hip-shaking booty wagon in multiplexes anytime soon. So it makes sense to get old Baz back on telly screens and where better than ITVB on a Sunday night at 8pm. It it just seems like a given Baz Luhrmann slot. They should literally have this in the actual schedule just un- you know, place Baz Luhrmann movie here Moulin Rouge is on Sunday night 8pm can can I also just extend the thing by the way um, whoever our schedule programmers are for British TV networks um, are you guys are you guys all okay is everything alright at home because we went through the <laughs> listings for this week and uh, you all might have some issues apologies for the American police siren behind me they're all louder here I've noticed um, but yes TV programmers if you all need someone to talk to if there's anything going on, you want you want a shoulder to cry on. I'm here for you. Just you, you this don't. This is the need... heat wave we're having at the moment over here in the UK. So I think that may be it. <laughs> there's some very interesting picks going on that we have to ignore. Like really morbid, depressing picks. We're just trying to pick the fun stuff, and that's leading to things like Conan the Barbarian on Monday. But either way, let's 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 just. Go a bit more upbeat. Let's stick with Moulin Rouge on Sunday night, 8 p.m. ITV. Let's have a listen to Nicole belting out some jams about her favourite jewellery. A kiss on the hand. Oh, my. Continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss on the ground, but it stays the rental on your humble flats. Or help you feed your pussycat. I couldn't go with a Ewan clip. I'm sorry. I hate Ewan McGregor singing in Moulin Rouge. It's t- it's awful. Oh really? 
it's I can't off. even actually remember it to be honest. So uh, yeah, I can't. I, my love for you and I can't really. Con- I can't say anything really because I don't remember it. <laughs> uh, one that you apparently don't remember, but I remember more vividly. Uh, Monday night then, Paramount, 9pm. Crumb, give me strength. Conan the Barbarian. John Millis is great. Conan the Barbarian is on the Paramount Network. What's not to love in that one? I mean, I'll always be partial to the sequel because it stars the god, co-stars the goddess, Olivia, Dar- Olivia Darbo, um, fellow goddess, Grace Jones. Uh, these movies are just great movies just across the board. But the, the first is an undeniable game changer and a movie we should still be making today. Incidentally, uh, Jason Momoa's remake never gets the love it deserves, I think. Uh, Jason Momoa. Did you, did you forget that? Did you forget who's the villain in that one as well? Because it came out right <laughs> after Avatar and has the same villain as Avatar. Funnily enough, Stephen Lang is the villain in both. Oh, okay. You get and has Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman's in that as well. Worth a look. I think it's always on Netflix. I think it's permanently on Netflix, the remake. Uh, going on to Tuesday night, 9pm film four. Another one that, like The Grudge, was uh, dismantled in its release plans by the pandemic. However, is a better movie at least. Coming to film four, on Tuesday night, 9pm. It's the Vin Diesel would-be franchise launcher. <laughs> it never happened. Uh, Bloodshot, in which he is the he's a he's the greatest mercenary that ever lived who has been killed. So obviously not the best mercenary who ever lived. Um, has then been injected with nanobots that give him superpowers and relives the same day over and over again with amnesia, whilst he tries to in in part remember how he was killed. Do you think there might be something shady to do with how he was killed? Because the concept of this one alone is shady enough, right up until you learn that the concept alone was cooked up by Guy Pierce. Let's have a listen. You know, if I was dead yesterday, I wouldn't be able to sleep either. Nah, I had a nightmare. Which doesn't make any sense, because how can you have a nightmare if you have no memories? Trust me. Soon you'll remember enough to wish you could forget it again. I'm sure there's someone out there in the world who cares about you a great deal. You just don't know it yet. I hope so. So yeah, this would be that one Guy Pierce movie where he doesn't turn out to be the villain. I mean, do you think that, that there might be a chance that this might be the the one? I tell you what, you watch and find out. I wouldn't want to spoil it for you, Zara. Um, One of the greatest messes ever put in cinemas is uh, on telly, ITV, Wednesday night, 10pm. It is uh, David Fincher's, uh, the movie that made David Fincher famously declare that he would never again work with 20th Century Fox. He would then, of course go and work with 20th Century Fox. And then, of course, go and work with 20th Century Fox again and get Oscar love for it several times. <laughs> so Alien 3, if you'd like to know how this all started, Alien 3, which is actually a pretty bloody good movie and should have been where the Alien saga died, is on ITV4, 10 p.m. on Wednesday night. If you want to learn any of the story behind any of what I just told you, do you know what? Kermode tells it better than I do. Kermode does a great Alien 3 story. Just accost him in public and ask him. And he'll not decline. He loves talking about Alien 3. Just hassle him in public and ask about Alien 3. He'll he'll enjoy that. Um, That's random. Yeah. 
Yeah, great one. Uh, because it, there was like four different versions of Alien 3 before they actually got to the version they made. And yeah. Yeah, and you know Kermode's obsessed with the Alien Saga. It's just a countless documentary. You remember having a very hungover day in 2017 in Fox's screening room the following morning, bitching and complaining mm. about Alien Covenant with him. <laughs> and, this, <laughs> and this wound up with me going out at lunchtime and buying him the comic book adaptation of, uh, of, of Willie, was it uh, William Goldman's Alien 3 and giving it to him? I think I gave him the first three episodes, first three issues or something. But just funny story. Just if you ever see Mark Cameron in public, hassle him about Alien 3 and tell him I told you to. Uh, so, okay. Thursday, July 21st, anniversary of the moon landing, if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like a bit of trivia there. Uh, A Quiet Place is on film for at 10.50. They love that time slot. Uh, So 10.50 on film for A Quiet Place. Well, the sequel's out now, so you can find out, uh, you can find out the answer to how could they possibly follow that up? The answer is not that well. Um, If you'd like to see a frankly quite game-changing sleeper hit and probably the the second most financially successful Paramount movie of the last three years? Yes. Maybe? It was, yeah. Odds are? I would get four, five years? It must be at least top five. Top five? Not that they were that many. But yeah. This made so much money that the studio that only had the cha- changey robot toy as an ongoing franchise decided, yeah, that could make a franchise. So um, you can find out exactly what led them to that decision for yourself in a pretty riveting uh, Emily Blunt, John Krasinski movie on Film 4, 10.50 on Thursday nights called A Quiet Place. It's a good jump scare one with effective use of sound design, I would say. Uh, proves John Krasinski's a better director than I think he's really been giving credit for this far. Where is this guy's tentpole? Seriously, if if Colin Trevorrow gets to go from frequently asked questions about time nonsense to Jurassic bloody world, um, (laughs) crapping the bed with the book of Henry and then doing a pretty god-awful Jurassic World sequel to boot, I I say give John Krasinski whatever he wants. The Jurassic World camp creations, that's really good. That's very true. But either way, give John Krasinski whatever he wants just for a quiet place because the sequels (laughs) are not going to give you that. Welcome back for one last ride off screen and Miss Feeler. Before we go down the DVD, Blu-ray, imaginary streaming aisle of our minds, etc. Let's talk about Persuasion on Netflix from today. Uh, This is, did you get to see this one? I did not. Uh, Thankfully, uh, you know, Netflix don't like to show their films anymore. No, no, <laughs> they don't. Do they? I, I don't know if it's Netflix or their a certain unnamed publicity, publicity company they use don't like to show their films where possible. And the assumption seems to be because they're terrible and then they come out and they get like quite mixed reviews, but they're mixed to negative, so I can kind of understand. I think they lowball their own review potential, to be honest. But yes. hey, fair, fair play. Um... Dakota Johnson's done adaptation of uh, you know Jane Austen works called Persuasion. It's on Netflix from today. Have a listen. I almost got married once. There were no two souls more in rhythm than Wentworth and I. And I was persuaded by my family to give him up. My father. Exquisite jawline. He's never met a reflective surface he didn't like. And my sisters. I'm 
just too kind, Anne. That's my problem. I give all of my attention to others and then I suffer for it. Where are your children? How should I know? There you go. So uh, we weren't allowed to see it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> on <laughs> Disney Plus. Do you Plus, another Jane Austen adaptation, though? It's like, come on. Modernising it. It's, it's, it, I'd, I'd rather see them try and modernise them than than just do straight yeah. adaptations. Because how many how many new things can you bring to a straight adapt, a straight adaptation? Uh, as Jane Austen's Emma with uh, Anya Taylor Joy proved a couple of years ago, if you give it something in the vernacular, there is something to add. But otherwise, don't bother remaking them. Like that one was fine, but like oh, anything else, would be pushing it. Um, doing them in the present day, though, you wind up with things like Ten Things I Hate About You. That always makes me happy. You know, that's like Shakespeare. Yeah. From one of them. Right um, on yeah. Disney Plus from today, a movie. I don't know if you've seen this one, and if not. I'm betting you'll love it. Dear Frankie comes to Disney Plus today. Do you remember this? No. Right. Dear Frankie, (laughs) I used to work at Blockbuster when this came out. So I remember how popular this was. And it was very popular with, I'm just going to say women of a very certain age and disposition, which is to say, "Mm, women of a certain age who really wanted a good cry would be the nice way of putting this. Yeah. (laughs) Dear Frankie is about a struggling Scottish single mum played by Emily Mortimer, I think. She has a young son. And she, in order to keep up the pretense that his his father, who they've always been like living in fear from, they've run away from, in order to keep up the pretense that the father is, you know, a figure in his life, she's been writing him letters all these years. And he started to ask more and more about like when he can meet his dad. So she hires a stranger to play the dad who's like a fisherman and the the the, the movie's called dear frankie because that's his name he's dear frankie yeah. that's how the letters begin and she hires a fisherman a wandering fisherman played by gerard butler so yeah <laughs> can you imagine? Butler, i know where this film's going <laughs> yeah you, you can picture the entire movie right there can't you now that i've told you that okay yes. so on disney plus from today get the tissues in Put it on. You're in for a time, Zara. That's all I'm going to say. You enjoy that. It's called Dear Frankie. Disney Plus from today. Um, Also on Disney Plus from today, a movie that I think a lot of people enjoy of all ages. It's uh, the greatest remake of The Great Escape. It's Chicken Run! The movie that soured relations between Aardman and Disney, very famously. It's on Disney Plus from today. Disney were trying to make Aardman into sort of a new tier of you know their animation division didn't quite pan out they did not see eye to eye at all um this would this went a lot further with uh wallace and gromit as well um coming to netflix from today we'll have a clip for this one one i know you saw one that won (laughs) a few acolytes it is of course a movie starring uh, the minute talents of uh, some chap named tony and a chick named Liv. (laughs) it is of course the father which comes to netflix from sunday this week the great uh drama of the award season was it last year in which uh, Tony uh, Tony Hopkins sc- uh, struggles with uh, with the, is it Alzheimer's specifically? I think he has. Whilst yeah, Olivia Coleman tries to figure out which way is up. Date of birth? Friday, thirty first of December, nineteen thirty seven. Friday. Yes. You're living with your daughter at the moment, is that right? Yes, until she goes to live in Paris. No, Dad. Why do you keep going on about Paris? What? I'm staying in London. You keep changing your mind. How do you expect people to keep up? Well, there's never been any question of me living in Paris. Yes, there was. You told me. No, I didn't. I'm sorry, Anne. You told me the other day. Have you forgotten? She's forgotten. You're starting to suffer from memory loss. I'd have a word with the doctor if I were you. 
In any event, I'm not going to Paris. Oh, that's good. Paris, they don't even speak English there. There's one scene in this, it's towards the end. I'm not going to say what it is, but it broke my heart. It was, yeah. Several there won't be a dry... Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it was, I was more hardened to it, mm. but that one scene, it was like, there won't be a dry eye left in the house. Seriously. Oh, my God. My heart's breaking now just thinking about it. <laughs> his performance. Oh, my God, his performance. It's yeah. such a rich, deep well of a performance you can just lose yourself just sit i mean honestly just for a dramatic performance you you want to just watch this on the biggest screen in your house and just sit as close to it as you can so you can just gaze up into this <laughs> anthony hopkins performance you just lose yourself it's a phenomenal turn and i it's one of those the, the more time passes the more i kick myself because this is the only one bet I lost at the Oscars that year. The only one, I can't even won, I can't even remember what I, I bet for over this. I lost because of Anthony Hopkins. And I, I feel like a fool now because I really do feel like I should have I should have been on Hopkins' side. Um, but alas, it's on Netflix from Sunday. Do watch this. I mean, it's actually quite a good Sunday afternoon film as well, I think. It so is, actually. On on Sunday. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Um, coming to DVD and Blu-ray on Monday, though, we've got two bangers. The first, I believe we have talked about once or twice, it is about a, uh, an unusual physician in a dimension of insanity. Uh, that comes to DVD and Blu-ray, and uh, there may be capes and superheroes and red witches involved as well, uh, otherwise known as Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 4. You can see that on DVD and Blu-ray. I'm kidding, it's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Do not at me. Uh, but the only reason I'm, I'm being so flippant is that I can get to the bit I really, really want to talk about, which is The Northman. The, I never got to review it because I was here. I was visiting the US. I didn't get screening yeah. when it was on. Um, and Bex was obviously you know, still in her, her COVID bubble. She still was, was until very recently. Um, so we didn't get to review this. I got to see it when I came back. I went to a screening. I had an edible brownie. I went to a screening of the North. Wow. <laughs> and it was amazing. It was just amazing. It's on DVD and Blu-ray on Monday. And this stars Alexander Skarsgård, new movie from Robert Eggers, who did uh, The Lighthouse, obviously, and it did a hologram for a king as well a few years ago. I'm thinking of a different Eggers. Um, this is his Viking movie. And oh my God, what a Viking movie. So this is about... Uh, Amalf, 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 or Amalaf? I forget his name. Okay, so anyway, he's the Viking Hamlet, effectively. It's Viking Hamlet. That's it. That's all it is. Yeah. And, you know, Fjolnir is, you know, the king's brother slash, slash, slash right hand who kills the king, marries his queen, and, you know, young Hamlet runs off to grow up and train for his vengeance, all the while chanting, what is it? I will avenge you, father. I will save your mother. I will kill you, Fjolnir. <laughs> and I know this because on the journey home afterwards, all I could chant to myself in my head was, I will save your father. I will avenge, I will avenge your father. I will save your mother. I will kill you, Fjolnir. Over and over again. Oh my God, this movie is incredible. Loads of one-shot steady cam sequences in which Alexander Skarsgård shredded like the finest mozzarella, just hack and slashes his way through entire villages. You can see where they would have staggered the, the frame shots if you know the, the, the breaks, if you know what know what you're doing. But it's so well done. And it's just him seeking out the guy who killed his dad as an adult, getting employ on his farm, and then just Punisher style, Hamlet style, dismantling this man's world one piece at a time. Have a listen for yourself. Fjolnir's touch will not linger on me when I leave this island. Martin will. 
Now I found the cold iron that will strike him down. When will you do it? When I must. For now I will haunt this farm like a hungry corpse returned from the grave. The only thing Samlet is long dead. Yes, but what of your mother? She will revel in Fjolnir's anguish. She only feigns her love to protect her child. Won't she wish... When I free her, I will bring the boy if I must. They've moved me back into the kitchen. A plan will have to wait. Damn good fun. Did you get to watch this in the end, sir? I did get to watch this, actually, and I was like, wow, what, what, wow, yeah. this is quite yeah. violent. Um, yeah. Actually, really quite dark as well. And mm. actually, Hamlet is based on this story. This story is, is came from, mm. Yeah, this story comes from, it's, it's older than Hamlet. I did, I did know this and I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, my old man told me that I was explaining it to him. It's like, oh, yeah, no, Hamlet was actually based on that. <laughs> there you go. Because I was going around after saying, like, when people are like, oh, is it any good? I'm like, Viking Hamlet, yo, that's awesome. Um, I thought this was incredible. This is the kind of movie that is as good on a cardigan level as it is on a beer and pizza bro partying kind of movie level. Like, I could watch this as comfortably in a screening room surrounded by a bunch of cardigans with their prat as I could in a big leather chair wearing nothing but a leather cod feet, uh, leather cod piece, glistening, surrounded by flames, hammering Jack Daniels whilst, whilst this is beamed onto a giant monolithic screen before me. Like, either one of those circumstances, this movie would play just as well. At the same time, I could watch this on a club night. You could literally be clubbing with this on the big screen behind, because you'd watch it more or less silently. It's fantastic. I bloody love The Northman. In fact, you know what, Sarah? This is the last movie we're reviewing this week. To hell with it. Why don't we just sack off? Let's sack off the rest of the show. Call it a week. We're back next week. We're talking about Where the Cruel Dads Sing. We're talking about Kurt Vonnegut Unstuck in Time. She Will and Robust. Let's just do away with all... Let's go and watch The Northman. Yay, let's go watch it. Yay. Can I have one of your special brownies? <laughs> you can indeed. Right, so there you go. We're back next week with the Reese, 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 Reese Witherspoon. The Reese Witherspoon. The Reese Witherspoon. I've turned into Wassie. Um, <laughs> the Reese Witherspoon produced adaptation of Where the Crawdads Sing, which you've seen, I think, haven't you? Yes, I saw that a couple of days ago. Is that Daisy Edgar Jones starring in that, I believe, isn't it? It is. It is Daisy Edgar Jones. And it's, you know, it's... It's interesting. Mm, this looks like this is the big hitter for next week. Big literary adaptation as well. Uh, we've got a new documentary about Kurt Vonnegut, which fascinating to nerd boy over here, obviously. Um, I think Olivia Coleman stars in She Will and someone I never get tired of seeing. We good old Jerry Defarge. Gerard Defarge's back in 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 Robust Day, which apparently is a translation of Robust. Who knew? So we've got all that to look forward to next week off screen. My thanks, as always, to uh, my beloved co-host for joining me this week. I've been Van Connor. And I've been Zara Phelan. And maybe you might see me again next week. We don't know yet, but see you next week. By the way, we shall return. Bye.